Hi, I'm Lori. And I'm Kevin, and this is No Longer Ashamed. We are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And we're here to share with you that if you're a survivor, you don't have to be alone. Our logo is a salamander, and the reason is a fire salamander can survive a fire, and you have survived a fire. And we want to help you with your journey to healing and hope. We are all survivors together, and we walk this journey together. And you are not alone. And by telling our stories, we are hoping that you will have the courage to share in your stories as well and find your voice. Because stories are so important. And for so long, I know that I wouldn't tell my story. But when I finally shared my story, that's when I got my freedom. And this is our journey and your journey to healing and hope. So come with us. Let's say you were abused and you've never told anyone about it. You've kept it a secret because you're afraid. Afraid of what people will think of you. Afraid that they won't believe you and how they will treat you. Afraid of how it will change your life. Most of us just want to pretend that it didn't happen and live a normal life acting like there's nothing wrong with us. It was so long ago, it doesn't really matter anymore. You just want to get over it. The stakes are so high. So why? Why should I risk it? But truth is, as long as you keep it hidden, keep it a secret, you will never get past it. You know, that is so good because as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, those are all the things I thought. Who's going to care? What does it matter? And who's going to believe me? The problem is, that's what keeps us from wanting to talk about it. If we could just live our lives without having to ever talk about it, that'd be great. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Wow. And, and you know, I think, I think what really resonates for me is when I, the first time that I told would have been my counselor. And that was a really safe place. Yeah. The next person I told was a friend. My wife. That's right. <laughs> and I freaked out. Yeah. And, you know, as I look back now... It seems silly, but I mean, we we didn't have cell phones or texting, so yeah. I called her on the landline. I mean, I think I called her like three or four times a day, like, you're not going to tell anyone, right? You're not going to, you know, there was so much fear and so much shame and and that maybe I wouldn't be believed. The stakes are so high. I mean, it feels like it can totally change your life if people don't believe you or if they think you're just trying to get attention. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, who would want to get attention in that way? Yeah. I, right? Exactly. I mean, but the first thing people always say is, why did you wait so long? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you say when it happened? Why didn't you say something or do something? You know, Kevin, that is so good right now because with all the Me Too yeah. and everything, is that this is the reason why, is because people didn't believe and they felt like you were overreacting. And even the whole Bill Cosby thing. Yeah. I mean, people did not want to believe that America's dad yeah. would do those things. And women wouldn't come forward because who could go against America's dad, right? How would you like to be known as the one that brought down right? Bill Cosby? And I, and I think that... You know, there's this element of bravery, and I don't know if we've talked about that. I don't feel like I had that. I think I had a lot of fear. How about you when you first came out, when you first told people? Was it 
Were you being brave or were you being afraid or? I wasn't being brave at all. I um, I would have gone my whole life without talking about it. I mm. think, but a friend of mine, her <laughs> sister, came out about being abused when she was in her twenties. It was a big deal in their family. And my friend, one of the first things she said is, I, I don't know if I believe her. I mean, why did she wait so long? Uh, did you believe her? Yeah, I told her I believe her. And the reason I believe her is I'm also a survivor. I, and I've never told anyone. That, that was the first person I ever talked to about it. Really? And it did shake my world for a while. You know, there's so much shame involved. And I've been thinking a lot about shame because guilt says something bad happened. Shame said says, I'm bad. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, especially, I feel like now in this generation, there's more help. I feel like back in the day, like, was it 20 years ago that you, 10 mm, years ago? 30 years ago. 30 years ago yeah. that you spoke of the words yeah. that you told? And at that time, I was in my... Close to being thirty, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly. I and and you know the first inkling, and I know with me and my, I tried to tell my mom, and I honestly don't think she believed me. I think she did, but she couldn't say she did yeah. because of her mental illness. And I think that there was so much shame involved that for me, I mean, I still this is still new for me. To share yeah. it publicly. Yeah. And for me, I know it, I've had a lot of practice. But what I haven't realized until recently is it does have an impact on mm -hmm. people. Um, it does affect people. And that's why I think it's very important when you do share, you're aware that people do react differently. That's really good because, you know, I shared with your wife who I feel like whether she knew it or not, she was always an advocate. And I don't know why I felt safe sharing it with her, but I did. But through my life, this has not been, when I talk about lessons I've learned, yeah. this is not one I put out. I'm not very willing to be vulnerable about this. People don't know how to react. It's not something where, you know, it's a normal situation to deal with. Even Even dealing with people with grief, who are grieving loved ones that have, they've lost or family members that they lost we don't know how to do that very well but when someone tells you they're a survivor that that's just completely unexplored territory and they don't know what to say they want to reassure they want to help you but sometimes their reassurance might come off on like well how long ago was it oh it it was so long ago, that's probably not a big deal. Or or they want to be confrontive. And mm -hmm. who was it? You know, right. Who did this? Right. They should be in jail. Exactly. They should, you know, they should be strung up, you know. And, yeah. and frankly, those responses were some of the hardest for me to deal with because, you know, the, the person who was my perpetrator was someone I was in contact with. I, I was still, you know, I still had a relationship with them, and I didn't really want to risk mm. what could happen. Um, so you didn't want your friends to beat that person? No, no. Mm -hmm. And 
And uh, it's very natural, especially for men, to respond in this macho kind of, they should be, you know, in jail. They should, did you mm-hmm. tell the police? And, yeah. and you know, not all survivors want to go to the police. They, it's not a safe place necessarily to. You know, that's interesting, Gavin, because I think for speaking it out for men versus women, I feel like there really is a big difference. Yeah, I I think survivors have a lot of the same same reactions in a lot of ways because, you know, we, we have the same traumas, we but Right, which is shame. Shame is like universal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And but for men, we're taught different lessons. We're taught to respond to things differently and Say more about that. Well, you know, men are supposed to be strong. We can never be vulnerable. And mm. men are supposed to defend themselves. We, you know, we, and then, you know, if you're a survivor and the perpetrator was a woman, then it's not really abuse. That, you know, that can't be considered, you know, that's supposed to be a good thing. Oh, interesting. And if it's a man you were abused by, then... You're considered, well, are you gay? Are you gay mm-hmm. now because of that? Or, you know, there's all these issues of masculinity that are warped when you're a survivor because we're taught a whole different set of lessons. That's really interesting because I feel like there are a lot of gay men that have been abused. And I'm not being that person that says, you're not really gay, you've been abused. But I think that that happens a lot. So as a woman, as sort of, I'm quoting here, the weaker sex, yeah, that it's easy for us to speak and to be victims. But as a guy, if you speak out and say you're a victim, that there's a, that there's a lot of sh- there's shame in that. But like what? You should have been stronger. You should have been what? What is that? We're taught different lessons, men and women, yeah. and that's a huge factor in why it's so hard for a man to talk about being a survivor. And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this is because I've kind of gotten over that in a lot of ways. I, I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm not proud of what happened to me, but I'm not ashamed of who I am now. And I know I'm a survivor, but I don't let that define my life. I don't let that define me. But a lot of men don't realize that being a survivor doesn't mean that you're damaged goods, doesn't mean that you're, you know, weak or gay necessarily. Or yes, I wonder if some men, I mean, we are taught lessons from our abuse. And sometimes that those lessons continue on. Um, There is that cycle of abuse that you know, when we're taught to be abused, that sometimes teaches us to abuse. Right. I know that there is... That we can become perpetrators. Yeah. It, but it, that doesn't mean we will. Doesn't mean we will, and it doesn't mean if you are a survivor, you're going to be a perpetrator. Right. Um, unfortunately, that's often portrayed in a lot of media, because when they report about survivors, sometimes it's because they were a perpetrator. You know, it's interesting because as an abuse survivor, I think I really leaned heavy into 
the victim. And I think it served me. This is really vulnerable for me to say this, but I felt like, I feel like it served me like everybody has to take care of me because I was abused. And so when I started to really become, I guess what they call it these days is adulting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When I started to take responsibility for what was mine, and that doesn't mean I was responsible for the abuse, but yeah. that I could live as a victim or I could live as victorious. And there was seriously a part of me that sort of wanted the sympathy, but that wasn't going to serve me well as a person who, you know, which I've overcome, I've become a career person, I've reached out to make my life matter and to help people. But I think for a long time, it would, it would have been easy for me to really fall into that role of victim yeah, and be okay with that. I mean, that's embarrassing for me a little bit, but I do think that maybe there's a point where we have to be a victim and then we have to say, I don't want to be the victim anymore. Yeah. We have Did to you move, experience that? We have to move on. Yeah. For quite a while, I couldn't even have any sort of contact with the person that abused me mm-hmm. and uh you know he you was, had to totally avoid them i had to totally cut off contact and and that mm-hmm. was really hard because he was part of yeah. my everyday life practically and i also hung on to that because i wanted to punish him basically mm-hmm. but not not through the law or through some sort of physical way i just wanted him to suffer because i had suffered and so you felt like maybe by not forgiving him, you yeah. would make him suffer? Yeah, yeah, by cutting him off and making him, making it known that I was separating from him. Isn't that, that's so interesting about forgiveness because I've heard, I listen to a lot of podcasts yeah. and I listened to one recently, they were talking about the four agreements. I don't know if you've heard about that, but one of them is forgiveness. And they felt like, these gals felt like forgiving was giving permission for that person to do it. And yet I feel like, and, and this is because I'm a Christian, I feel like forgiveness is not about the perpetrator. It's about me. Yeah. Because if I don't forgive, I'm giving them rent in my head. Yeah. I'm giving them power. Yeah. And by me saying I forgive, it doesn't mean that it's okay what they did, but it means they no longer have power over me. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think when we forgive, we're not justifying what they did in any manner and mm-hmm. we're not making it okay that they did this. What we're doing is releasing their power over us. We're, we're taking that away and saying, you know, it's a way of moving on. Mm-hmm. For me, it, it wasn't possible without God. I Was that your turning point with yeah. God? And I know I was not willing or able to forgive on my own. I, you know, I, <laughs> I just held on to it. But yeah. when I did get to the point of forgiveness, it was probably the most major turning point in, in my healing. Um, I don't think I really began to completely heal until then. You know, what I love about that is how backwards everything seems. Like when we're a Christian and we let go of that, 
how God just comes in and he just blesses us. But yet so often I see people holding on. They hold on to that and they, they say, if I forgive, I'm giving permission or I'm letting them off the hook. Yeah. And in my experience at my age, which <laughs> let me see, 30, 60, 90, I'm a th- I think I'm a third of my two thirds of my way yeah, through this yeah, world. Pushing two thirds here. Exactly. Is that, you know, forgiveness is so not about the other person. It's only about us. It's, it's our healing. Exactly. It's, it's about us healing and getting beyond it. Exactly. And, and so, and that's what I think is so important about sharing. Um, mm-hmm. For men, I think given the choice, they would never share with anyone that they were abused. But wow. I think it's so important because otherwise you're just hanging on to it. You're, right. you're, you're just saying, okay, I'm just going to try and get beyond it mm-hmm. without acknowledging it's kind it. kind of that uh, suck it up and make yeah, it. Yeah, just get over it. Right. Um, but the problem is we're not always aware of all the issues that come with being a survivor. Right. I mean, there's the depression, mm-hmm. there's the anxiety, mm-hmm. there's the, especially for a lot of men, the, the rage that is bottled up that we mm-hmm. don't realize where it's coming from. And you know, we have triggers that we don't even know where they come from. Triggers is so important. And I think what's really interesting is I think women and men who are abused that we deal with it differently. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Although although it is the same, but I think for men, they're like I think of young men. I think they feel that they have to be macho, they have to be strong. Where I look at women and they feel like they feel helpless, like, what could I do? Yeah. So it is, I feel like what I love about this podcast is it's coming from both angles. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, and I think that, like, I remember when Oprah came out with her show about men who had been abused by priests and how that was like a phenomenon. Yeah. And yet women have talked about it for years. Uh-huh. So I feel like the fact that you are saying, here we're survivors, how do we do this together? Yeah, yeah. And men and women are different. And I, I do love that because I feel like the society wants to say we're all the same. Yeah. Also, you know, there's so much going on now in this world, kind of highlighting by this Me Too movement. Yeah. But we also hear about, you know, what's happened in the Catholic Church, what's mm-hmm. happened in the Boy Scouts and the other things that are coming up. But we never hear from the survivors necessarily mm-hmm. and, and what their side of it is. And I think for men, that's because they don't want <laughs> to be right? on news. They don't want right? to talk about it. But with it's because of the shame and yes. the stigma. But if we don't talk about it, we'll never change exactly. that stigma. We'll never get past the shame. And I think men need to basically realize that if we don't ever talk about it, it isn't going to change. Exactly. And I feel like that, you know, with the whole Bill Cosby thing, I've been listening to the latest podcast about him, uh. is that. This is a generation where we can stand up and we can say, this happened and I'm going to be victorious. Yeah. And I think for women, 
is a different aspect than for men. I think it's the same as let's be victorious, but I think there's a different angle because I feel like men feel like I should have been macho enough. I've been, should have been strong enough where women, it's easy to be like, I was helpless. I wasn't strong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For men, what's at stake is our masculinity. It's, it's our core Mm -hmm. belief about ourselves. We don't want to risk that. And it's so hard for you. I mean, because um, when you finally came to that point... It was really terrifying. I didn't tell many people about it for a long time mm. um, because I, I was afraid of how they would react, how Were they you would afraid treat me. Were you afraid of how the people you told would treat you? Or? Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, like they wouldn't believe you. No, that wasn't the issue for me. What was the issue is how they would treat me afterwards. Mm. What would they think of me? How would they look at me afterwards? And especially for men who are family men, they have, they're married, they have kids. How are they going to explain that to their wife and kids? How can they possibly reveal that this is a part of who they are without risking fallout? That's why I think real important part of sharing is being aware of who you share with right at the beginning especially and i think it's really important to seek a counselor because yes they're people that are professionals i remember my counselor saying can i tell you how this works yeah i would tell her a situation that to me made no sense and she would say Can I tell you how this works? Because she had been trained. She knew. That's the thing. Counselors are trained. They understand what's going on and they know how to work with you. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to react. They're not going to freak out. That's the main thing I was afraid of is they're going to freak out. And so also when you first begin sharing, realize you can't always predict how someone's going to react. So don't try and have this picture in your head of what's going to happen because you cannot. You know, I'm a life coach and I'm a big, big advocate for mindset. And it is so easy to go to that place, right? They're going to think, they're going to believe. And I know what has amazed me when talking with you is the difference between men and women. So I have a girlfriend who went to her mom, said, this family friend abused me. And the mom said, I believe you. Yeah. And then I have a very dear friend who is a man. And he went to his family and said, your brother, my uncle, abused me. And what they said is, I don't believe you. And for that person, it changed their life. Because why would we make that up? Yeah. Well, and it can be devastating, too. So you don't want to have really high expectations of what will happen because they might not come out the way you think and it's better to realize that people aren't trained in Mm -hmm. dealing with this that's why i think it's important to address this with the counselor first but Mm -hmm. the hard thing is for men going to therapy is kind of an act of failure it's like we need help and men aren't supposed to need help interesting you said an act of failure yeah i mean men aren't supposed i mean we're the providers Mm. we're the you know the father of the family. Mm -hmm. We're the ones that are supposed to be out there taking care of our family. And if we need help, 
we're failing. And so that's a big step to get over is to realize if you've been abused, something happened to you. You, right. you know, you didn't cause this. This happened yeah. to you. It wasn't your fault. And, the and abuser, you deserve help. Exactly. And the abuser often says it is your fault. And what I love yeah. about what you're doing, Kevin, is in watching and listening to the difference between a female survivor versus a male survivor yeah. is it's the same in some aspect, but then in other aspects, there's more of an expectation, mm-hmm. I think, for men. And for women, there's more of a, oh, of course, you know, there's more of a grace, leeway that, yes, this could happen where with a man is like, why didn't you fight? Why didn't you? Is that what you're feeling? Yeah. Well, and and a lot of it is, you know, we're not aware of how many men are abused because so few men ever talk about it. So we don't expect it to be true. We don't. So mm. there's a lot more of the questioning is, you know. Right. We would say, what? Who would abuse a man where with a woman we would be like, but of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's It just seems more natural. Yeah. That's why I think it's so important to share is mm. because otherwise you're you're just living mm. this secret and you're never going to get past it. You're never going to actually learn what your issues are right. and what how is, to address those issues. What is the opportunity? And I know for me, you know, like we talked about earlier, I shared with your wife, but this isn't something, even I'm a life coach, I work with drug addicts, I work with a lot of people, and it's not something I share very often. I yeah. shared it with you. But isn't that interesting that I'm willing to be vulnerable in so many areas, but in that area, I'm like, I would rather say my son is a drug addict. Yeah. (laughs) I, you know, then then I'm a survivor. It is hard. I think for me, it's only become easier because I know where I stand Mm -hmm. and I know I'm not defined by it. But until we realize that, it is a kind of a defining thing. And it is, and the beauty of that is what you say. I'm not defined by that. And I think for me, um, before I had the words, because for me it happened very young, I think when I finally got the words is I think that it became my identity. Yeah. And I didn't know, you know, I think we have more counseling nowadays than we did back then. Yeah, yeah. And so I think there was some sort of identity of, this is who I am. I'm not strong. I'm not worthy. <laughs> yeah, well, we're basically damaged goods. Yeah. Um, I knew I was damaged goods, and I, I felt like I was doomed for most of my growing up until, I mean, this was the first yeah. thing I remembered was the abuse. And it, you know, I thought I was just messed up from then on. Right, like there's no hope. And I th- I look at you and how you found a woman who believed in you and supported you. And then I look at myself, who I have been single for 16 years. And for me, I chose being single because of my children. But Mm -hmm. I think there's also an easy part of me that if I'm being honest, which is really hard, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it's safer. Isn't it safer to just be single and you don't have to answer to anybody. You can just live with whatever your 
stuff is. <laughs> There's less consequence. Yes. Um, and also, I know at times uh, I still have issues. I'm still, you know, fighting through mm-hmm. the damage. And so like it's circular, like you are doing really well and then what? Something triggers you and then you yeah. kind of go, whoa. Yeah, I mean, triggers never seem to go away. Um, I'm just more aware of them mm-hmm. and more cognizant of when they might be there. But I think there are times when I'm triggered and it comes out of the blue. It comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and it just sends me spinning and it takes me a while to recover and so sometimes it's easier to be alone because you're not there's less fallout basically yeah so honestly you know and I know we're going to talk about more of this in the next podcast but the one thing that I really see is I look at you and you're in a relationship and when you get triggered you are in a relationship yeah if I get triggered I'm not in a relationship I can hide out in my house. I can, I don't have to answer. And if you're triggered and you're acting different, you have a partner. You have to think about that. And I think that's what the beauty of what you're doing is. How do we continue on in life when we have these things, we face them, but they don't really go away. They're circular like an onion. It's like, okay, I dealt with this here. And then I've circled around and I'm dealing with it again, but it's a little bit different, yeah. a little bit yeah. deeper, right? Yeah. You just kind of peel away each layer. <laughs> and But I think we both come to points where we're, we're free of the actual guilty feelings. We don't feel like, you know, the shame doesn't belong to us. Right. And I think you said it in the beginning. You said, it doesn't define me. And I think that for me, before I understood it, it defined me because I didn't have words. When I finally recognized it, somebody believed me and I got counseling, then it could no longer define me because I faced it head on. And that's what I think that you want from this is that people will look at if they are a survivor, how do we face this head on? How do we live our lives and not just stuff it down, but say what is and then still move forward? Yeah, there is hope. And it is a hard struggle, Mm -hmm. I know. I spent a good part of my life being pissed off that I had to deal with this stuff. How many years do you feel (sighs) like you were... Well, I mean, it was the first thing, my very first memory, and it wasn't Mm. until my late 20s that I actually ever spoke about it to anyone. And I think, you know, for the past 17 years, I've had some major healing Mm -hmm. and really dealt with a lot of the issues, Mm -hmm. but it took many years of therapy before that. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really important, you know, to recognize about this is that we get to a place, we get to like a plateau where we're like, okay, I've admitted what happened to me. I'm dealing with it. And then something triggers us and we're like, what the heck? I thought I was well. Mm -hmm. And I believe we are well, but there's things that will trigger us and try to suck us down. And we don't allow that. And I think Um, besides not letting it define us, is that it is what it is, but it isn't who we are. I think that's why sharing is so important because we have to 
I mean, if you don't address this ever, it will eventually mm -hmm. just define you because exactly. you will never come face to face with it. And, you know, we are in that higher age, age difference where we know if we don't share, if we don't talk about it, yeah. it controls us. Yeah, you're going to let it control you. Right. But once we say the words, once we tell our stories, however that plays out, that gives us the power to yeah. say, this is my story. This is what happened. Hopefully you have people that believe you. But even if you don't, that you can find the way to know that you know what you know. Right? Isn't that yeah. like an AA word? You know what you know. You know what happened to you. And that that's the only way you can move forward. Yeah. It's hard. And it can feel devastating mm -hmm. to talk about at first. Mm -hmm. But... It's worth it. It's worth the work. What's you the are freedom? worth it. Right. And what's the freedom you felt when you finally were able to say? I think it allowed me to define who I was. It allowed me to actually find out who I really was. Mm -hmm. Boy, it changed me in that I became confident in myself mm -hmm. rather than feeling like a cripple, right. feeling like I, there was something wrong with me. It allowed me to realize that Something wrong was done to me, but that didn't mean that there was something wrong with me. Exactly. It's like the difference between shame and guilt. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am wrong. And the yeah. one thing that I know about you in hearing your testimony is that there is such victory in being able to share a story, and it's hard. Yeah. And most people don't want to. And I I feel like in in my area of expertise with radio podcasting is that it is really hard for people to share their story. And yet you were willing to do it and there was freedom for you. Yeah, because it allowed me to, to define who I was. Um, I no longer had to hide. Wow. Tell me about hiding. Most of my life before I did share, and even now it's not always easy to talk about, mm -hmm. but most of my life, I was trying to put on a persona, mm. um, put on a face of, you know, someone who was capable, mm. even though I knew inside there was something wrong with me. And you know, it's so interesting because I can't remember how long I've known you, but it's a long time and I've never seen you like that. But I do know because I know for me, I did a lot of fake it till you make yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so for me, this is big for me saying it on a podcast, but I don't like go around saying what happened to me. But if anybody is to tell me one-on-one, -on -one, I will definitely tell them yeah. what I've been through so that I can relate to them so they can know they're not alone. Yeah, that's another big part of sharing is... You are not alone. You right. don't have to be alone in this. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest parts of my healing therapy was in a men's group. And these are varying men of different ages, different professions, different capabilities. And we all had different stories, mm. but we all were willing to share and trust each other with our stories. Wow. And I think a big part of that was realizing we didn't have to be alone. You know, and I think that's something we're going to talk about in another podcast is 
how we receive when somebody yeah. does come to us. What do we say? How yeah. do we hear them? And I know for me that when the first time I spoke the words, even besides my sister, it was to your wife. And, you know, I knew she believed me. And even though I was like, <laughs> this was before cell phones, I'm like calling her every 10 minutes going, you're not going to tell anyone. But what mattered to me is that she actually believed me. Yeah. And I don't think in my whole life that I ever risked telling because I never believed anyone would believe me. But I think um, if we don't ever share, we don't ever talk about it, right. we'll, we'll never, people will never know our stories. Exactly. And I think it's so important that people know our stories. Exactly. And you know, even in the Bible, Jesus told stories. And our story is so important. And I applaud you for telling your story. And I've seen you tell it in church. Yeah. I've never told my story publicly. <laughs> I've told other stories. Let me tell you how much fun that was. <laughs> um, you know what? Honestly, I would do it again. I can honestly say yeah. I would do it again. And I'm willing to do this. Mm -hmm. But that was big. Yeah. It was big. And, you know, <laughs> it's funny because I came to hear you tell your story. And I'm in the industry. I yeah. mean, I've had plenty of opportunity and I've never showed my story. So watching you share your story and then I look over at you afterwards and I see somebody who I know who is amazing, who's in my industry, and you don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I know. And you know what? I, I just, I am so blessed by you sharing your story because it's given me hope and I still haven't shared mine. Well, I haven't shared that part. I have shared different parts of my story, but I will in a heartbeat share one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. You know, we all, we all have different stories <laughs> and we all have different ways we've dealt with it. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest first step is to share it. So what would you recommend? Somebody's listening, they're hearing this, they're going, oh my God, I was abused. What would be their next step? To tell their best friend, to tell their parent? I really highly recommend finding someone who's a professional. Yes, a counselor. Um, your best friend will try to be understanding, I would hope, but they won't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And your wife, your kids they might not know how to deal with it your parents i mean it it also depends on who the perpetrator was right, and because, whether or not you're still in a relationship with them and often those perpetrators are charming and yeah amazing people people you would never believe could do that right and so people won't believe you so i think it's very important to find a, a counselor especially find one you trust mm -hmm. one that you feel comfortable with before you really figure out what your triggers are, you might not even realize that you go to this therapist and you're not comfortable and you don't know why. Well, you might right. be having triggers. So if you're not comfortable, find another therapist. Right. Find, find someone you're comfortable one. with. Yeah, because it's easy to go, oh, I found a counselor. It didn't work. I'm yeah. done. And just quit, but keep trying. Yeah, and then gradually, if you can, I mean, it might be hard to explain to your wife or your, mm -hmm. you know, your family why you're going to therapy but try to find a way of explaining it and just you know 
don't have real high expectations because people don't always know how to deal with it. But also, I can tell you honestly, um, people generally want to be caring.、Mm-hmm. If they're close to you, if they're friends, if they're family, they want to be caring. They just might not know how very、right. well. And、so. I think you would agree with me. The most important thing that somebody that really loves you is to say, "I believe you," and the validation. Yeah. When you get that validation of that's, I believe you. I hate this, but I believe you. Yeah, that can be life changing.、Mm-hmm. For me, group counseling was great. It's not for everyone, but I think for men it helps because、mm-hmm. that reassurance of knowing you're not alone,、mm-hmm. and you can kind of talk through your shared, you know, experiences of what your issues are, and and that really helped me a lot. It's、mm-hmm. not always for everyone, but I think that's a really good good step. There's also amazing websites、mm-hmm. and books、mm-hmm. and podcasts.、Mm-hmm. And some of these will be listed on a resources page. Sometimes you might just want to read about it, or if you want to share your story anonymously, you can go to these websites、mm-hmm. and just put your story out there. See how it feels to write it down. Sometimes just writing it down will bring out、mm-hmm. in you the the realization that you need to talk about, that you need to deal with this. You know, I have a saying. I wrote a book, and one of my saying is. Reduce it to the ridiculous, yeah. And it's like, say what you can, and trust yourself. Believe in yourself, because the one thing that we learn in AA, we learn is know what you know, and trusting your instinct. And for me, when I had to really admit that I knew what I knew, I、yeah. knew it was it was really hard. But I instantly had a person that said, "I believe you." And for me, that was that was the world. Yeah, and everyone has a different story. I mean, some、mm-hmm. of us, like I knew my whole life, I was aware my whole life of what what had happened to me. But some people they don't realize it until later. It comes, you know, back to them when they have kids that right were at the age the when age. they、yeah. were abused, or you know, different things bring、right. it back up, and then they think they're crazy because they think this could not be real.、I、have a friend who. He realized when he was a father that he、mm. was a survivor, and it wasn't until he he was a father, right? And I think、uh, that's another important reason why it's important to talk to a professional because we all have different ways of experiencing, and we might think, you know,、mm-hmm. am I crazy? Did this Th- really happen? Exactly, and that's what happened for me. Is I was a mother. And these、yeah. words were coming in my head, like changing my son's diaper. Words that you're a sick person,、yeah. you know. And I remember going, "Oh my gosh, this is so crazy!" But I knew it had to do. I knew it was a trigger、yeah. uh, for what I went through. And I'm so grateful to God that I was able to get a hold of that. And I feel like I don't feel like I was the best mom ever.、Mm. But I feel like God gave me some grace to be、yeah. able to raise my children while I was getting going through this grip on this. Yeah, and I raised a girl. <laughs> I'll never forget the first time I went. She is going to be okay. We were buying a car, and the car salesman put his hands on her shoulder. I think she was four, and she looked at him 
Like, get the <laughs> F what away from me. What are you doing, and mister? Honestly, I was like, I was so pleased. I was yeah. like, I am raising a girl who gets it. Yeah. Because I didn't. Yeah. I think part of sharing is also breaking that cycle. Yeah taking away from the darkness and bringing it out to the light. It is. And the first time we tell it, it's so scary. Then it we is. tell it again, not so scary. And, you know, I'm a life coach and I have clients and they don't even know they're in abusive situations. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, hey, why don't you try this domestic violence group? And they go and they're like, what in the world? Yeah. You know, and I th and I think the fact that I am, I don't know how to say it. I'm not going to say I'm grateful for what happened. But honestly, I do not re have any regrets of my life because I love where I am. I love who I am. And I love that I understand. Yeah. I think, uh, I know I would regret if I had never shared, if I had never, mm -hmm. I was a train wreck going <laughs> off the bridge. And uh, I don't <laughs> think I would have made it um, much longer. And I look at your life now and I'm like, wow. Yeah, it will change your life. It's mm -hmm. hard, but it, it is quite possibly the most important thing you can mm -hmm. do, and it, it is worth it. It is, and, you know, you I... You are worth it. I remember when I went to some um, Al-Anon groups, and I remember people going, yeah, I'm good. I'm not going to go anymore. And I was like, why do I have to keep working? <laughs> you know, but there is a lot to that, and I look forward to more conversations, and yeah. I know we got to wrap this one up, but more conversations on the fact that recognizing what we've been through and not staying in the victim hole. Because I yeah. think for me, I hate to say that, but I think it served me. And I hate that, but I think I got enterprised on it until recently mm -hmm. when I went, no, I am a victim. Yeah. I'm not a victim. So that's it for today. We are going to have a prayer time if you want to stick with us. If not, we believe in you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. If you like this podcast, please rate and review because that's how other people can find us. And we really want to spread this message. Well, let's close in prayer. Mm -hmm. Father, I just thank you for all your blessings. And I praise you for your wisdom in our lives. And I pray that you would continue to reach into our hearts and lead us with your words and your loving kindness. And Lord, I just thank you that you are the loving Father that we all need. And I praise you that we can turn to you and we, we can rely on you, that you are our authority because we can trust you, Lord. I pray that for all the listeners that they would, they would trust you and they would turn to you and realize that you love them unconditionally. You love them for who they are. You don't, you don't have shame for them. You just want the best, and you want to gift them with your love and your grace. Lord, I just pray that you would help them to turn to you and feel your love in their lives. And Father, I pray as people who can stay in the victim role or stay in the victor role, that you will bless us. Lord, it's so easy to be in that place of self-sacrifice, of I'm not good enough. And Lord, 
that is where the enemy rules and that you want us to love who you've created us to be and to move forward in that. And I pray for your grace, for your mercy, as we all learn to be who we were really created to be and not let that shame get in the way and not let that guilt get in the way, but that you are holy and that you have forgiven not only us, but our abuser and that we do not need to hold on to that father i thank you for the incredible peace you've given us if we're willing to accept it and to let go and to let you be the god who you are in your son's holy name 